0: Hello and welcome to livealittlehigher.com This week we again read a double portion of the Torah We, we read two parashas We read Parashat Matot and Parashat Maseh And um, also these are the two last parashas of the book of Bab which is the fourth book of Moses We're already almost entering into the last book of the Torah uh, Each day we're closer to the holidays again uh, expecting to enter a new year in the Jewish calendar, and if, from now we begin our really our preparation for what's to come. So, Rabbi Israel Baal Shem Tov thought that nothing is incidental in, in the world of Hashem, everything is perfectly orchestrated, there's no uh, coincidence, nothing is random, everything is perfect. And the Lubavitcher Rebbe adds, nothing is incidental in God's blueprint for creation, which is the Torah. And uh, Rabbi Shneur Salman of Yari, as he puts it, each week we live with the times. that. He was saying that the the Torah portion is like the Jewish horoscope. It, it in the in the portion is contained the energy of that week and the lessons that have to be derived for that week. So that two portions are read on the same week means that they are both relevant for our times. So. We see here also that from Rabbi Yeshayahu Horowitz, the Shaloch, we we learn that the weekly Torah reading bears an integral relationship with the other time landmarks with which it intersects. So in fact, Parashah Matot and Parashah Maseh are always read during the three weeks between the 17th of Tammuz and the 9th of Av which are three three weeks that are sad weeks for the jewish people we're remembering the destruction of the two temples and we are in a in a in a sense at these three weeks we are in a state of mourning so what is the lesson of parashat matot and what is the essence of parashat Maseh and what is the connection between them and us and what is the significance of the fact that they are read at this time of the year so we find that um, that Parashah matot eh, eh, the meaning of matot is tribes and tribes eh, it's alluding to the 12 tribes of the of, of Israel tribes is a cinnamon there's two words that mean tribes in the jewish language one is matot and the other one is shevet uh, and shevet is also both of them are synonyms to tree branches both of them so shevet is is referring to a soft, uh, pliable twig, and matot is uh, alluding to a hard rod, a hard stick. So hardness is one of the qualities which we are forever seeking. Uh, to acquire and to read ourselves at the same time. You know, uh, when you say that that person is a tough person, he's such a tough person, you know, you can use it for good and you can use it for bad. You can say, okay, that person has like, a strong character. That person is uh, strong in his in his personality. He's he's able to withstand a lot of, of problems in his life. Or at the same time, you could see him as a very tough person who is very tough with other people. So so we see here that we denounce in ourselves and in others behavior that is obstinate and unyielding. We see that a person that is obstinate, that is um, has a, a strong backbone, that it never yields, that is um. A stiff-necked is not something that we would see as something positive. Indeed, our journey through life requires both firmness and flexibility. We know that we, there's times in our lives where we have to just bend and let things go. We need to like let it be for the sake of shalom, for the sake of, of having a, a good relationship with somebody. And there's other times in which we have to be like a stiff rod we have to be unyielding and we have to be very strong and we have to have a backbone and we have to be um and we have to be a uh, stiff necked because if not we will lose ourselves so so we see here that rabbi bunim of pisisha he says that a person should have two two pockets in his in his coat in one pocket he should write up the verse i am dust and ashes And in his second uh, pocket, he should contain the Talmudic saying that says a person is commanded to say for my sake was the world created. The whole world was created for my sake. So we have to have within ourselves these two uh, qualities, let's say it. In a certain way, we have to be humble, we have to let it be, we have to let other people rise. Uh, sometimes it's better to be happy than to be right you know uh, as they say but in other moments of our life we need to understand that Hashem created the world for us and as Jewish people we should never uh, be wishy-washy with who we really are We we should be unyielding we have to be strong Jewish people proud Jews, stand up for our beliefs, stand up for our rights, stand up for not allowing the world to, to step on us and mistreat us and and, the, and, the, and, um, and be bad for us. So this dual approach to life is implied in the Torah, two names of uh, Matot and masai While the people of Israel constitute one entity as God's singular nation, They are comprised of 12 distinct tribes and each of them contributes to the nation in a different way. Each tribe had their own quality, our own vocation, our own mission in life. But at the end of the day, they all work together to comprise the whole. And uh, we see that the Torah refers Israel uh, the, the, the Israel stripes as Shev- Shevatim, branches, or matot rods, expressing the idea they are offshoots from a common stem. So they all come from the same tree, and they distinct from each other, yet parts they are parts of a whole, of the same whole. So while Shevet and Maté are both synonyms of, uh, synonyms of branch, the Shevet is a pliant, is a flexible rod, it's a flexible... Um, branch. Well, maté is a is a branch of the tree that has a this has been disconnected from the tree, and because it's been disconnected and it's not been receiving the water and the nourishment from the roots of the tree, it has become a a, a rough stick. It's become a, a, a rod. It, a, 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 a like a dry um, stick. So there lies a the deeper significance of these two names of the tribes of Israel. On certain occasions, the Torah refers as branches. Uh, Stressing the need to be flexible in life. You know, when there's a hurricane coming uh, in Miami, you see that the very strong trees, the the oak trees that are old oak trees and they're very strong, they break. They break in half. But the palm trees that are not so strong, that you see them bending with the knee, with the with the wind, they survive a a, a storm like a hurricane because they're able to, to to bend. And this, for example, right now that we're living through the coronavirus. The people who are okay, people who are being able to cope with the situation are the people that are willing to yield, are the people who are bending, are the people who are taking the moment and doing the best with it and they're being able to accustom themselves to the new situation. But to be able to do this, you have to be able to bend and to be able to yield. In other contexts we are called rods, uh, underscoring the need for firmness and determination in carrying out our mission as a holy people and a light unto the nation. So you know the Jewish people throughout the Galut, throughout the, 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 the exile have endured horrendous things we've been through the two destructions of two temples we have been scattered throughout the world we we have been um, gone through pogroms uh, 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 crusades holocaust inquisition terrorism anti-semitism you name it the jewish people have been through everything nevertheless they're able to yield they're able to bend in the, situ- in the moments they have to bend, but at the same time they have maintained their beliefs and their connection to Hashem strong and, and, and like a rod. So the, the later point um, really is the lesson of Parashat Matot, which opens with the verse, And Moses spoke to the heads of the tribes. Here the tribes are called by the name Matot a designation which becomes the name of the parasha and the crux of its message, that there are times in history of, of, of a people when they must employ the fortitude and, fix, and fixity of the rod, when they must find the inner resolve to stick it out in a host, hostile and capricious world. Sadly, at this moment in history, the Jewish people are again experiencing a lot of anti-Semitism and a lot of brutality and a lot of... Uh, horrible things. We're going through the same things that happened in Europe before the Holocaust, before World War II. Nevertheless Thank God today we have a nation called Israel and we have people that are have done organizations and we don't keep ourselves quiet. We we we're very vocal about it and we're not like like these people that are allowing other people to bully them and, and mistreat them. We're not allowing that that anymore. So hardness is, is an acquired rather than an intrinsic state. Like harshness when a person becomes hard, it's not something that comes with the person this is something that is acquired through life when people have to go through hardships in life they become hardened it's like an egg the more you boil it the harder it gets so while the potential for hardness is always there it always exists this is something that we have within us it is actualized when a substance is subjected to galvanizing conditions and influences so for the last 2,000 and more years of our exile the Jewish people have become hardened people we have to be like that because if not we wouldn't be able to survive uh, what the world uh, does to us so this can be seen in the Shevet Mate model as a branch, the chevet is supple and yielding, bending to the wind and to every pressing uh, hand, but when it is disconnected from, from the tree to face the elements uh, uh, as a lone, rootless rod, it stiffens into a mate. So in other words, a mate, a rod, a stiff uh, branch, is a chevet, it is a twig, a, a yielding t- twig that has, hardened, hard, has been hardened by the experience of galut. The pride of tender and tenderizing moisture from its nurturing roots, and the latent hardness of the wood asserts itself, transforming the pliant branch into a rigid staff therein lies the connection between Parashat Matot and the time of the year in which it is read which is now in the three weeks before the 9th of Av which which more, we're mourning our homeland, we're mourning the destruction of our two temples in the time when the temple stood eh, we were like the Shevatim; we were like this um, this uh, twigs that were full of life and were yielding and bending because in the times of the temple the Jewish people had the presence of God with them they saw the Shehina in their midst and so they were not hardened they hadn't experienced such tough times we hadn't lived through this so we see here that even though the the Torah commands, commands us to mourn the events of the three weeks it insists that our mourning be a constructive endeavor. Hashem doesn't only want us to sit down and cry and not listen to Jewish mu- not listen to music for three weeks and not do m- weddings and and not buy new clothes and not uh, party and, and do these things. What He wants us to do during these three weeks is that we focus. That we take these three weeks as an opportunity to focus on how we have to to do, what we have to do to end this exile. What other things a Jew must do in this time to be able to bring the Geula, to bring the redemption. So even as we agonize over the rootless rootlessness of galut because galut is like we have been disconnected from our from our tree the the jew is a wandering jew now we are disconnected from the tree we must take advantage of the manner in which our disconnection from our natural environment strengthens us and galvanizes us even as we weep over the destruction of god's home and the absence of his revealed presence in our lives, we must tap to the tremendous potential, reserve, potential that exists in the, in the Galut, in the exile, which is to strengthen our faith and our trust in God. This is what, what we do right now. You know, once I asked Rebetzin Bruce and Wonken from Habad Aventura. She was giving a class on the three weeks. And I said to her, I don't understand why Hashem hasn't brought Mashiach what is he waiting for? Like nothing has changed for the last 2,000 something years. We're all the same. Same people, same issues, same everything. Why hasn't he brought Mashiach? And she said to me, Margie, you don't understand. To see a Jew today wearing a kippah in his head, seeing Jewish women lighting Shabbat candles, seeing a Jew eating kosher food, seeing a Jew praying, seeing uh, uh, Jewish children going to Jewish schools, and the women going to the mikvah. Two thousand something years after the destruction of the two temples is a miracle. It's a miracle. It, like how can it be that we're still here it doesn't make any sense that there's still Jewish people in this world that still are connected to their essence they're still connected to Torah and mitzvot because we don't have the revelation of Hashem we cannot feel Him, we cannot see Him but nevertheless, the trust and the faith in God has not, has not uh, died it's still alive and that is miraculous so she said to me this is why Mashiach hasn't come because for Hashem there's so much pleasure in seeing this that, that there, there's still Jewish people that are mourning the destruction of the three temples the temples that they didn't even have the experience to experience and they're still sitting for three weeks and mourning them and, and fasting on the 17th of Tammuz and the 9th of Av and, and, and sitting in the ground and crying like if you think about it it really doesn't make any sense We look at other nations like the ancient Greeks, the ancient Egyptians, the ancient Romans. They're nowhere to be seen. They don't exist anymore. They're in the Metropolitan Museum of Modern Art behind the the windows. That's where they are. But the Jew the Jew is still alive, it's still here and it, it doesn't make any sense so the, the answer to that is matot is that we are we have a backbone we are stiff necked people, we are unyielding we still keep to ourselves we still keep to who we are we, we, we never let, let go of who we, who we really are so there is more to Galut, there is more to the exile than toughening the Jewish soul And Galut is a journey. A journey is not just a departure from home, it is an advance towards a destination. So indeed, this is the difference between the wanderer and the journey. The wanderer is escaping or being driven away from, from a place. He's wandering, he has no mission, no purpose, wherever he is, he's just a wandering person. But a person that is journeying, that is in a journey, he's never lost. Wherever he is, there's a purpose for him to be there. And that's why we read this second portion of Massey. Massey means journeys. Uh, The 42 journeys that the Jewish people did in the desert before entering the Jewish homeland. And in a certain way, life, every person goes through 42 journeys in their life. And also, we are doing these journeys before Mashiach comes. So journeying really is, uh, is something that brings the treasures that are produ- procured at the various points of the itinerary so when a person is journeying he is bringing out the best of each place he's not only bringing out the best of each place but he's also giving the best of himself to that place so what are we seeking in our places of exile what will bring home with us when we return uh, from our journey to the to the ends of the earth uh, to when Messiah comes and we're all again uh, back in our home land in, in the land of Israel the Talmud defines the purpose of Galut as the acquisition of converts so the people of Israel were exiled among the nation it declares only so that the converts might be added to them so these converts assume many forms in a way it's in a literal sense it's to give the opportunity to those souls that have been disconnected from the Jewish people to come back to return to the who they really are and, and, uh, and, and bring them back but also we see that the Jewish the Jewish religion is not a proselytizing religion we're not trying to convert people to Judaism this is not we don't believe in this we don't do that But when a person feels that he is a Jew and that he needs to come back home, the Jewish religion accepts him. Not only that, it is a commandment of the Torah that we have to love the convert we have to love the convert so there is more subtle conversion of a, of a, of a pagan world to the, the, the um, sorry it says see, there, is, in, there is the more subtle conversion of the pagan world to the monotheistic ethos and ideals of the Torah so the, the exiled Galut that we've been going through for ages for for centuries already the Kabbalists explain that these converts that the the Torah is talking about is is that we we release the godly sparks that are contained in the material world and all creation of God so there's a concept in in the Kabbalah which is called klipa and the klipa is that God creates the world in three different ways. So one way in which he creates the world is with his face. When he creates something with his face, with his countenance, it is called Kedusha, Kodesh, holy, holiness. So when he creates with his face, he's creating things that are holy. What does holiness mean? Holiness means that it's transparent to its creation, that you see something and you know it's holy. For example, a Sefer Torah. Sefer Torah, it's a holy article it's something that doesn't need to be elevated, you don't need to release the godly sparks of the, of the Torah it is indeed holy if you read it or you don't read it if you take it out on a Saturday it doesn't matter, it is holy but then Hashem creates other things that come from his back, which is called the Sitra Achra, and he, one of the things that he creates from the Sitra Achra is the Klipa. it's called Klipa Noga Klipa Noga is like a shell, like a, like a shell, like a peel of a fruit. So what it means is that most all the creation of the world that is permissible for, for a Jew, that is permissible for us, comes from Klipa Noga. What it means is that all the world is, is uh, hiding behind this shell or this peel. So when a Jew is gonna use this certain article, let's say, let's put uh, money as an example. Money comes from noga, from the back of God. So these are things that he creates that he doesn't wanna create, but he has to create them in order for a Jew to, to use them in the right way and release the godly sparks. So money, if a person's gonna go to work because he needs to make a livelihood, If his intention to work is because he wants to become very rich, so he can be honored in his society, so he can have the best car, the best house, the best everything, eh, then he's really not releasing the godly parts contained within the money. He's not bringing out the good out of it. But if a person, his intention when he goes to work is... To make a, a good livelihood, to be able to provide for his family, to be able to give his children good education, to be able to give sedaka, to give charity, to be able to help institutions and and, 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 and and be a be a good person in society, build a good society. the godly sparks of this money are released and they are are going up so that's what it means that the 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 converts the Jewish person his mission in life is to convert things is to change their status from bad to good and most of the the old old Klippanoga has contained within itself sparks of godliness, sparks of goodness but if we don't use them in the right way we don't convert them to good They become evil. They they take the other side. So this this the Talmud is saying that is the purpose of our galut. The purpose of our exile is to convert all these things that are in the world that are hiding behind a shell or a pill and for a Jew to come and elevate them in the way that he uses them with the right intention with a godly intention so in that way we redeem the sparks of holiness which lie buried in the most far-flung places and circumstances I once heard a rabbi in a talk he said that once Messiah comes we're going to be yearning for these times because it's at these moments of galut of exile even if they're so dark and so hard the opportunity of a Jew to bring light to the world and to do goodness here and bring the good out of everything once mashiach comes we're not going to have that anymore there's not going to be any people are not need, not going to need to be rich anymore there's not going to be sick people to visit anymore there's not going to be poor people to feed anymore everything's going to be perfect So this is a a time of opportunity, so this concept of Galut is expressed by the second parasha of our our pair, the section of Masse journeys which chronicles these travels of the Jewish people in the in the desert before entering the homeland. These are the journeys of the children of Israel who went out from the land of Egypt and they journeyed from Ramses and they came, camped on Sukkot. They journeyed from Sukkot and camped in Aitam, and my say goes on to list the 42 journeys comprised in the, in, the, in the travels of the Jews before they entered the Holy Land. So the commentaries explain that these journeys are the forerunners and prototypes for the historical saga of Israel as we advance through the desert of the nations and as the the prophet Ezekiel says uh, entering to the land in the age of Mashiach so God willing this is the whole purpose of our exile and so that the fact that the Torah considers Galut to Masei to journeys means that the purpose of Galut is to be found also and primarily in the places to which it brings us so that each of its travels is a journey and each of its encampments is a destination so wherever you are right now stuck wherever you are that you think oh my gosh i got stuck here i got stuck here i know friends that haven't been able to go back to their homes because they're stuck in other countries you're not stuck anywhere you are where you're meant to be this is where you need to be right now this is where the godly sparks contained need to be released from you this is your purpose at this moment. So both Matot and Masay are parachutes that are read uh, during these three weeks. And um, Matot instructs us how to pursue, how to pursue the the galut, how to 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 do it. Sometimes we have to yield. Someone we have. Sometimes we have to bend. Sometimes we have to let go. And sometimes we have to be stiff-necked and have a backbone and stand strong. This is the way to do it. And in another way is to understand that we are. here to transform our environment a Jew is a lamplighter and we're here to transform the world and make it a holier place eh, for Hashem to make a dwelling place for God in this world So when we read these two parashas together, Matot and Maseh, they're united in one single Torah reading, then the directive of the week, the message for this week, what we have to take within us, is to integrate them both into a single approach to Galut. Living with the times in such a week means discovering how your interaction with with a hostile environment is not a challenge to your values and convictions, but the strengthening and the affirmation. It means discovering how your toughness and intractability in your faith is not a hindrance to achievement and creativity but actually it is uh, an aid it is a a tool that you have that makes you have the opportunity to transform the corner of the world that was given to you at this moment that little space that you're in and, 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 and transform it to a place where Hashem can dwell So I wish you a blessed week and remember, live a little higher. Thank you.